And so reading from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 11, is page 1145. The church and its leaders. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Thanks, Holly. Well, welcome. Good to see you tonight. Um, we are in, uh, as uh, Jean-Luc mentioned a minute ago, a series uh, looking at First uh, Corinthians, and uh, and Andy kicked off the, that last week. And um, and and one of the reasons why I will recommend this to you as well is there's lots of background information in here and things related to that. And uh, so rather than sort of try and recap every week as we go along, this is a great way to uh, to sort of keep up uh, with things. But um, as Andy was talking about last week, the, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, was written to the church in Corinth. It's, a, it's, a, it was, it's an occasional letter because it was written for a specific reason. He had an occasion to write this letter uh, to the Corinthians. And, um, and they were a church that sort of felt sort of very um, a proud, I guess is a, probably a good word, that they were quite spiritual in the things that they did and, and the way that... Um, they saw gifts and things working. And, uh, but in the midst of that, Paul writes this letter. And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes, have you, ever, you know, have you ever had somebody who just really sort of speaks and just sort of calls it like it is? Like just, they don't sort of, you know, they don't sort of kind of be nice and work their way around. They just sort of speak it out. Well, well that's what we have here tonight with Paul. Paul is, um, he's sort of given this introduction, he's already addressed a few things, but he's now getting into some, some pretty significant things in the life of the Corinthian church. And, uh, and so we open up tonight with this, these words saying to the Corinthians, you're acting like babies. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> you're, you're acting childish, you're immature. Now, he starts off by saying you, when I, sort of about when he first came to them that they were immature. 
That, you know, when he first brought them the, the news of, of, of Jesus, that, that he had to, he, you know, he had to speak to them and with, with, you know, like milk, giving milk to a, to a child. They weren't ready for, you know, solid food. But, but he just says outright to them, and you're still not ready for solid food. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but, but that's exactly where he finds them. And his basis for saying that is that there's, they're just full of, what does he say? They're full of jealousy and quarreling. And the very thing that they think that they're sort of mature in their spirituality, he says to them, you're infants in your spirituality. In fact, he uses that phrase, he says, you're just merely human. You're behaving like human beings. That seems a bit odd, doesn't it? I mean, they are human beings, right? They are merely human beings. Well, no, Paul, I, I think actually the, part of the, the, this um, sort of cutting right to the point with Paul is not to just sort of say, you know, to put them down. It's actually an invitation up. It's an invitation to them to say, you're infants, you're not mature, you're not as mature as you think you are. You're acting worldly. You're acting like mere human beings. It's time you lived into your calling. It's time you lived into the fullness of what it means to be fully alive and, and, and mature in Christ Jesus. I think it's an invitation to them. You can be, you can be more than this. God has more for you than this. Well, their issue particularly that was causing this jealousy, the quarreling and all of these things going on was um, about their understanding of leadership and what it meant to be a leader and how leadership worked. It's, uh, it's a bit understanding. I think we could understand why they have sort of come to the conclusions they have, but, but they've sort of seen themselves as followers of Paul. Paul, you know, well, he, you came and you first preached the gospel to us. And then Apollos is another who came along after him. And, and later on in the passage, we see that there are some that sort of identified by, by Peter. And so they've sort of divided themselves into these sort of camps of, of who it is that they follow after. And, and in the Greek mindset of the Greek world around them, that would have been sort of very normal, the way things were done. Because the, the Greeks in, in the first century loved philosophy, and there were schools of philosophy. And we're familiar with all those to today. We know there were those who followed Plato and those who followed um, Aristotle and there were the Stoics and, and the Skeptics and the Epicureans. And if you went to any major Greek city and you went to the center of, the, of, of town, what would you find? You would find people gathering together to argue and debate philosophy out of their different sort of schools of philosophy and out of their different followers of who they followed. And that was the culture around them. And so is it any surprise that in the church that culture that surrounded sort of the Greek mentality of things had gotten into the church? And so it was this idea of leadership and thinking that sort of leadership is about sort of getting behind sort of theological, let's find ourselves in our theological place over here and, and we'll debate with one another and we'll argue and we'll go about and, and, and it was just causing strife, causing difficulty. I mean, we're not affected by those things today, fortunately, right? 
I am really glad that, you know, this message is much easier to teach and give at St. Barnabas where we don't have a lot of strife and, you know, divisions and factions that are kind of warring at each other. But, you know, it's, it's easy, you, you know, you can see, I mean, you know, it, it's easy to see, you know, sort of, I'm of the Church of England. Well, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal. You just start to find our identity in those words. Well, I'm free church. <laughs> Does that mean you don't charge when you go in? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, you can see then that kind of that. Well, not only that, but, you know, then if you say, well, okay, I'm Church of England. Well, if, if you spend much time in the Church of England, uh, you begin to meet people and, and then you find out, well, it's like, oh, well, no, I'm, I'm Anglo-Catholic. Well, no, I'm conservative Catholic. Well, no, I'm sort of broad church, middle-of-the-road Anglican. Well, I'm evangelical Anglican. Well, I'm a conservative evangelical Anglican. Well, I'm a charismatic evangelical Anglican. And then you kind of can get down to the level of, you know, church, and it's like, well, I'm a nine o'clocker. We have Eucharist every week. Real church. Well, I'm 10.30. That's where the kids go. That's where all the fun's at. That's where we really worship. Well, I'm a French connect. I'm not because I don't speak French. I'm so sorry. I'm not in the in crowd. But or I'm of 7 o'clock. I, I went into a church years ago. And um, I mean, in very short order, um, I had people beginning to uh, come up to me and talk to me and sit down with me. And they let me know um, well, there's sort of two groups in this church. So there's, there's the group in the church that sort of follows the vicar. Sort of the vicar's group in the church. And, and then there's another group in the church, and, and they saw, follow the associate vicar. And they sort of see things differently, and they're sort of, that's most, you know, things go on. I'm like, really? This is going to be fun. <laughs> wow, it's exciting. Now, I mean, we don't have that situation, but if you could just raise your hand if you are with me. Uh, Andy's in the back, or Jean-Luc, anyway, no, we won't go there. I mean, it's easy to laugh about, but it's easy. We, know, we all know of situations where sort of we get this distorted sense of identity and leadership and all those sorts of things that begin to sort of pull us apart in, in the way we understand ourselves. And, and, and it's not something that brings us strength, it's something that brings us strife. And it's in the midst of this that Paul just comes in with a completely different perspective. He gives sort of two examples. One is an agricultural example. He said, you know, it's, it's like, it's like one, one comes along and they plant the seed. You know, they stick the seed in the ground. And then another one comes along and they, they sort of water that seed. He said, I'm kind of like the guy, you know, I kind of planted I put, you know, I came and gave you the word, but you know what? It was, it was Apollos who came along and watered that word. And, and, and who is it? I mean, who am I and who is Apollos? We're just, what does he say? He says, we're just servants. We're just servants. We are servant leaders. That's what it means. We just kind of do our part. He said, you know, I, I planted, Apollos watered, and the important thing is that God caused something to grow. 
Now, when I was in, when I was in school in sort of science class early on, we, we'd get, I remember getting sort of these little cups. And we got little cups and, and we got a little bit of, you know, soil. And, uh, and we were all given a bean. And we would, you know, put a, make a little hole in the soil and we'd put the, stick that bean in there. And then, you know, you'd water it and you'd come back. And after a week or so, all of a sudden, then you'd sort of, something was sprouting up. And it's just amazing because, you know, all you can do is you can, you know, you can put the soil in there and you can plant it. But ultimately, none of us could make that thing grow. I mean, some people just got bad beans. Some people overwatered and it got moldy. And all that, but that's a different sermon. But anyway. But Paul just says that we're just servants. We're just playing our part. We're just doing our bit. And then the other example he gives is of construction of a building. He said, it's sort of like I came along and, you know, I sort of laid a foundation. And, and Apollos came on and he sort of built on that foundation. There's been others that are building on it. And, and it's sort of, it's, again, it's, it's, not about, it's not about the who did the work. It's, well, in this case, he goes, he kind of sort of steps back. He says, actually, what's really important is that the foundation underneath all of that is Jesus. That it's all about Jesus. It's all about the fact if, of Jesus undergirding everything that we do and all that we are. It doesn't really matter that much about whether it's me or Apollos or who else. It's about being a servant in that way. Now we know other times in, in Paul will reference in other places in Jesus' Testament we're, we're talked, we talk about that you know, our body is a temple. But here in, in, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, you know what? It's we, the church together, are being built up as a temple. God's building something and, and we're a part of it. And we're a part of the, it's kind of, he gets it sort of, like we're both sort of the things being built up, but we're also part of the building of it. We are the temple of God. Together. And he says sort of anything that comes along and wants to divide that, wants to tear that down, wants to sort of pull that thing apart, he says God's going to come and sort of judge that and take care of that. And then he goes on a little bit further and, and says, instead of thinking about ourselves as whose faction do we belong to, whose sort of school of correct theology are we a part of, in verse 21, he says this, he says, so then no more boasting about human leaders. Forget about boasting about human leaders, Paul says, because all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, world or, uh, or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is of God. I just love that. Why would we want to limit ourselves and sort of back ourselves into some sort of corner about who it is that we follow and how we want to divide ourselves of others in the church? And Paul's saying, you're part of the church. Why would you not want to take advantage of the whole church? Why would you not want to take advantage of the whole council? Why would you cut yourself off to this portion or that portion? He says, it's all yours. It's all there. It's all there for you to profit from. It's all there to be part of together. The point is that you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 
That's the point. Paul goes on and to sort of summarize it says in essence that humility is the hallmark of Christian leadership. Not position, not power, not all of the things that we might think about as far as leadership goes, but humility. He says this in uh, chapter four. As again, he's sort of trying to help the Corinthian church see. He starts talking about the apostles. Because of all the people that should be looked up and should be thought highly of, it should be the apostles. And in chapter four, verse nine, he says this. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like those condemned to die in the arena. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you're so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You're honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We're in rags. We're brutally treated. We're homeless. We work hard with our own hands. And when we're cursed, we bless. And when we're persecuted, we endure it. And when we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. That doesn't really sound a lot like what we want to raise up as leadership most times. And right after that, Paul says this interesting thing, which almost seems to undermine everything he just said, but in another way makes so much sense in the context. Paul says, so, you know what you need to do? He says, I urge you to imitate me. The very moment he's been saying, it's not about me or Apollos or Peter or anybody else. He then comes back in chapter four and says, so imitate me. Not imitate me because I'm a great leader. He's saying it imitate me because of the way I'm following Christ. He'll say it other, another way, that specifically, he'll say, follow me even as I follow Christ. It's another invitation to the Corinthians saying, come and follow In essence, he's saying, come and serve. Come and serve. This is what Christian leadership looks like. It looks like being a servant. So Corinthian church, will you come and serve? He could just say, will you come and lead with me? It doesn't really matter. Leading and serving, it's the same thing. Will you come and serve? And by the way, it might look a lot more like being without a place to live and having people say unkind things about you and all sorts of things. But it has far more to do with the maturity that he's calling the Corinthian church to. So tonight, I just, 
I would like to, um, I'd like to invite us to sort of ask that question. To ask the question is, where is it that God might be calling us to serve? What is it that God might be laying on our heart about how he would want us to serve? I guess I could put it the other way. How might God want you to lead? <laughs> but that seems a bit, well, it depends. Maybe that seems scarier. I don't know. But what might God be saying to you? about what it looks like for you to serve. Do you find yourself day after day sort of feeling merely human? Maybe God has something more. Something more he's calling us to. And maybe it won't quite look like what we think it will look like. But if it's built on the foundation of Jesus, if it's at the core of following after him, as we talked about last week, Jesus Christ and him crucified, as Andy was sharing last week, we have the power of God at work in us. We heard it tonight. And we have the whole counsel of the church. And we've seen the church built up over thousands of years now. So much to draw on. So much of what God's doing. And his invitation is, will you come and serve with us? Will you come be part? Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you issue to us a call to serve. Lord, forgive us for those times in our lives where we find our attention captured by distinctives. That sometimes are just a way to um, push back at others. Lord, we thank you for your full counsel. We thank you that you are building us together as your church, as a temple. Lord, I thank you for this parish, this congregation here. Lord, show us what your call to serve looks like. I pray for each one individually here tonight that there would be a real sense this week, a real clarity this week about what you might be speaking to each of us. To know how you've called us to serve, how you've called us to leave, to lead. May we be your servants. May everything that we do be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Lord, we ask you, come and grow your church. We can't do it. That's your business. But may we be faithful in our part in the things that you've called us to do. We bless you tonight and we thank you. Amen.